Dateline, 29th of January, 2023. Well, g'day folks and welcome to the Australia Desk for this week's episode number 735. Well, Grant, what an interesting week it's been. I've been doing lots of uh, training, but not in planes, in trains. Oh, you've been train training. I've been train training. In fact, I've been train training so I can train other people to drive trains. Uh, this is getting seriously recursive. I'm getting confused. You're train training to train to be a trainer for other trainers, and and oh yeah, no, it's ow. Yes, dear world, look out! I've requalified because I used to do this many years ago as a train driving instructor, a practical driver trainer in railway speak, because that's the way they do things here. But uh, yeah, so uh, for all those dreams I had of being a you know an airline pilot when I was young and all that sort of stuff, well, I guess that's not exactly where my uh, I was meant to be. But here in the railways, yeah, back back doing some training. So it's actually it's been an interesting week, actually, or an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, relearning stuff that perhaps I've forgotten and uh, <laughs> doing lots of exams and some uh, check rides and even some simulator sessions. Yes, we do have simulators in the railways. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's actually been interesting. Uh, one of the things I actually found as an aside when I first went into the railways 19 years ago is the similarities in some cases between the way we approach at least training people to learn how to drive trains versus people learning how to fly planes. There are, in some places, some similarities in the training syllabus, and it's it's quite interesting when you get right into it. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me, because uh, for those of us who aren't involved in the day-to-day, the simulator is fun. But for those of you who are in the day-to-day, the simulator is called the sweat box for a reason. And that photo that you sent to me of train collision, <laughs> yeah, right across the screen, it wasn't like you'd smacked it into the ground. It was more like you and another train had got naughty. Oh, well, oh, well. You can't you can't win them all, Grant. That's what I say. <laughs> but, hey, all I can say is once you're an OJT on-job trainer for uh, V-Line, I ain't going to get photos of you going past my office showing me what you're seeing at the time. No, not with my feet up on the dash. You'll only get, <laughs> look, only three or four of those a day, I promise. <laughs> yeah, three or four photos per day of you with your feet up, but nowhere near my office, so I won't feel quite so bad. Uh, Who am I kidding? I'll be jealous as hell. So anyhow, so anyhow. speaking of trains... Um, Mate, it's a good thing you're not driving trains over near Auckland because with all the floods they've had, oh my God, have you seen the photos and everything? They actually had a freight train derail because of the floods washing out uh, supports for the track. Only one train, huh? They're not trying very hard, are they? Oh, uh, well, you know, they're not quite up to Australian standards in terms of chaos, destruction and disaster. <laughs> but that said, Auckland Airport had a really bad day on Friday. They had a 777, Air New Zealand 777, hit runway edge lights because it came in and went from left to right to left to right. It was apparently like watching an episode of Star Trek, you know, where a bridge crew go from side to side like brainless sheep. Uh, basically, the winds weren't good. It was probably aquaplaning. Didn't have a good day. That caused the uh, runway to be closed while they fixed the lights and they reopened and everything was good until the rain got really bad and they actually flooded the terminals. Yes, and uh, a lot of uh, very, very uh, displeased passengers there. I, uh, <laughs> a lot of passengers were complaining that they were left down in the departure or arrivals hall and uh, weren't able to get up to the areas where there were food and drink and amenities and showers and all that sort of stuff. And uh, some of the media reports we've seen, um, well, uh, yeah, there was not, not particularly happy people there. So uh, I don't know how long <laughs> that shutdown went for, but uh, yeah, um, interesting times. It's uh, affected a lot of uh, their operations locally, just trying to get in and out of that airport and also caused a lot of flights to be diverted away from Auckland. There's been a few aircraft turned back. In fact, Emirates 
They had an A380 that was pretty much halfway to Auckland when they realized they weren't going to get in. They turned around, so the people on board that aircraft had a 13-hour flight from Dubai to Dubai. Not really a problem if you're in business or first, because at least you're being treated nicely, but if you're jammed, stuck down in the back in economy sardine class... Ew. Would it be that bad on Emirates, though, Grant? I, I don't know. Would it be that bad? <laughs> oh, no. Emirates are pretty good. And, uh, and American Airlines. Them, but, yeah. Well, American Airlines had a flight uh, that did 10 hours going from Dallas to Dallas. So, yeah, it's caused a lot of hassles. The airport uh, reopened for internationals uh, today, actually, Sunday. And they're trying to get everything back and operating again. But it was pretty much wiped out for 24 hours. So that's a pretty huge amount of time for an international airport. It's actually interesting flying into New Zealand. Uh, the last time I went to the States, I actually did that. I went Melbourne, Auckland, Houston, which was an interesting uh, mm. route. And, and um, uh, considering the parts of the US that I need to travel to when I go there, beats going well, through LAX. Anything beats going through LAX. You know, even with the upgrades to the Bradley Terminal, it's still... Yeah, no, but uh, i got to move on, mate, because I'm going to take something that's pretty good. I'm going to combine two of my favourite things, one of which is space. And... Mm. Beer. Well, there you go, Grant. Only you could combine this into a beer report. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sabre Astronautics here in Australia has announced their first projects that they're going to launch to the International Space Station. I mean, you know, they've got one about sustainable, productive space crops. They've got another one about, you know, mice embryos, eggs, sperm, all this kind of stuff that they're doing some environment experiments on. They've also got one on, you know, like developing a method to repair solid state metals. Well, yeah, that's really good for a long-term sustainable repair of space objects yeah but you know the one that really got me was the vostok space beer a joint venture between saber astronautics and the four pines brewery there in sydney i've had a number of their beers multiple times i'll bet you have (laughs) Uh, yeah totally this this felt figure was not uh, solely on kit's amazing cooking alone beers have contributed but yeah so this joint venture is going to see the world's first beer you can drink in space that comes complete with a zero g beer bottle dude i'm jealous you know, I'll be looking forward to, you know, there's some of those good uh, space station tracking apps that you can get. It'll actually be very interesting to watch the trajectory of the space station once they've <laughs> had a few in. That's all I'm saying. Hey, just remember, in space, no one can hear you burp. <laughs> it's not only that. Imagine who's piloting that thing when they're four sheets to the wind. Well, you know, one little sniff and you'd be gone, but a bit, at least a four-pack before I'd be starting to send us <laughs> oh, going, Ooh, I can't, let's see. I, I can't deny it. I can't deny it. No. <laughs> But hey, you know, one of the things that comes from beer is gas. Oh, it's propellant. Okay. Oh, well, hey. yeah, there you go. React, that's reaction sustainable. control systems. Yeah. Oh, look look at me scoot across the big empty space. Yeah. Uh, that's, prob- that's probably how they sold it to the uh, people at NASA in the first place. <laughs> totally. But, uh, you know, speaking of gas, leaks, and big empty spaces, uh, Sydney Tower at Sydney Airport, the air traffic control tower, was evacuated today due to a gas leak earlier this morning, and it caused chaos. It sure did. And just as an aside, that was the best segue we've ever done, Grant. I thought that oh, was fantastic. Mate, I, I, I am a legend in my own burp box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so gas fumes through the air conditioning went the report from Air Services Australia, and of course they're not going to muck around with that. So uh, obviously they shut the tower down temporarily, evacuated all of their staff, and uh, sent the fireys in there to work out exactly what was going on. I don't know what they found. Obviously not a lot of gas because it wasn't shut down for all that long. No, it was about an hour, and uh, something caused gas smell to go into the aircon system. They figured it out. They uh, got it all back up and running. It was only shut for about an hour, but that was enough to cause ooh, a couple of international flights to divert, one to Brisbane, one to Canberra, 
A few others were in the holding pattern. And uh, there were comments like, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to make my uh, interconnections to get to my international flights. But uh, one comment was uh, from somebody stuck on the tarmac waiting for their flight from Canberra to Sydney and told that they ain't going nowhere. And that was Dr. Malcolm Davis from the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, Mm -hmm. ASPI, somebody that uh, I've definitely had a few chats with and even interviewed. Yes, talk about a heavy hitter. He was on his way to Perth. I wonder if he got there in the end, actually, uh, Malcolm Davis. I'm sure he's got some good connections there at uh, at, uh, Air Services Australia and he'll be able to get the answers he needs but, uh, you know, granted, what strikes me about Sydney Airport, their timing is all wrong. If they wanted to have a gas leak, well, they could just have it, say, after 2300 because for some reason they still have a curfew at Sydney Airport where everything would have been shut down. Probably not the tower, but, you know, unlike Melbourne where we could just fly planes in and out whenever we want. I know, right, because we're not right next to uh, various politically sensitive flight paths. Anyhow, I can assure you Dr. Malcolm Davis did make it to Perth because I can see in his feed that he posted a beautiful photo of sunset over the Indian Ocean. Oh, beautiful. Always a great time of the year to go to Perth. It's a beautiful city if you can ever find your way over there. (laughs) That's for sure. But hey, speaking of going west and speaking of sunsets and all that kind of stuff, I I believe you've got a bit of a sad note for us. Yeah, we just wanted to pay a tribute to a a friend of the podcast and uh, a big supporter of our work over the years who uh, sadly left us a week or so back uh, with the sad news that Matt Savage, one of the most superb aviation photographers that you would find in this part of the world, uh, right up there with the best of the best. Uh, Matt's uh, been fighting a heroic battle against cancer for the last few years and unfortunately it got the better of him uh, about a a week or so ago and he left us far too young. Uh, We just wanted to pay tribute to Matt and send our uh, most heartfelt condolences to his wife Maria and to his daughter Charlotte and uh, he was just a wonderful photographer, an absolute gentleman and uh, as I said, Grant, a big supporter of our work and gone in his mid-40s far, far too young. Yeah, way too young, mate, way too young. So, yeah, sorry to see Matt go. Some awesome photos, great guy, and, yeah, we'll be lesser for his lack. And if you're on social media and you wanted to check out some of Matt's work from uh, over the years, uh, a lot of the photography he took was uh, in this part of uh, Victoria in uh, Australia where Grant and I live, uh, in and around areas like Tyab where there's a lot of classic aircraft around, just Mm -hmm. superb photography. You'll find that on social media at uh, Mac one Aeromedia, a big, big loss to our industry. And uh, wherever you are, mate, we hope you're flying well. Well, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. Grant, uh, we'll be back again next week, and that'll make it five in a row if we can pull that off. Oh, mate, you're setting us up for failure. It's enough that we've got to four. This is more that we've done in one month than we've done in, like, four years. I'll need a rest. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks.